If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 13. We'll be finishing up this chapter tonight. And um, this has been just a marvelous chapter. And then we'll get into Acts 14 starting next week. But um, again, I want to just remind you, remember... Mark your calendars for September the 8th, all right? It's going to be a very special night for us. And uh, we've got some exciting news also coming up very soon that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I'm not at liberty to do that at this point, but it's going to be wonderful. It's very good news. Amen? I like good news. Yeah, I really do. Acts chapter 13, and let's go down to verse 42. Um, I won't do any recap. I'm going to jump right into this tonight. If you want to figure out where we've been, just go to our podcast. Go to onecausechurch.com and uh, get on our podcast, and all these sermons are available for you for download. All right, verse 42, Acts 13. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue... The Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. I want you to mark that thought for just a moment, that they had been preaching the gospel to the Jews in the synagogue, and there were Gentiles who could, who, who could hear from the outside, and they wanted the, this same message preached to them. All right, they were, they got, it, start, it sparked a hunger in them. Of course, when you preach the grace of God, it sparks the hunger in people. Right? When you really preach good news, when people really hear good news, um, that's what we really yearn for. It's what we really long for. And that's why people are always, that's why there are all these gimmicks out there to try to get you to believe that they have good news, but then you find out when you get into it, it really wasn't all that good of news, right? Car salesmen are fantastic at it. I'm not just picking on cars. So I'm just talking about anybody. There's, Bob, I didn't mean to, you know. Anyway, it's called the bait and switch, right? Uh, you hear such good news, and then all of a sudden, then you wait for the other shoe to drop. And unfortunately, that's in the church so much too, right? I heard a preacher the other day, I was telling the staff about this, I heard a preacher the other day say, you know, I don't understand all these preachers preaching feel-good messages, because you got to preach the truth too. And I was like, so the feel-good message isn't truth? I thought the gospel is the truth, and the gospel is good news. Hello. Got to preach the truth, too. Like, if you preach on sin, that's the truth, right? And anything else is just fluffy preaching, right? The, gr- the grace of God is the truth of God, all right? The Scripture says that the, by Moses came the law, but by Jesus Christ came grace and truth. So truth is on the side of grace. Amen. Okay, good preaching. All right. Verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul, that is converts, uh, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. I want you to highlight that in your Bible. Continue in the grace of God. So what that teaches us about the grace of God is that it's not just as something that you experience exclusively in your initial salvation experience. That grace is something that you must continue in. You start in it and you continue in it. We understand that grace comes from God. 
But faith comes from us. And when grace meets faith, that's where the miracle realm is. All right, that's where the new birth experience happens, is when we, by faith, give our faith to God, and we, that is our receiver to his grace, then that's when miracle birth happens, and that's when many miracles in your life happen. That's when you come into partnership with God Almighty, that natural meets supernatural, and they walk hand in hand. Hallelujah. That comes by grace and faith. So grace comes from God, faith comes from us. So faith then is the only access to God's grace. I want to help us remember that tonight. But faith and grace are first cousins, right? They work together. All right? They don't work apart. They work together. And faith is, like I said, it's the only act. Jesus is the focus of our faith. Remember what the Scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And by faith in him, then, the door to grace is open to us. All right? Matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. Right? I'm the way. But another place he said, I am the door. Now, Romans chapter 5, I want you to jump over there for just a moment. i got a few scripture references we're going to cover. Um, verse 1, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I want you to notice the past tense there. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, through whom, through whom, that is through Jesus, also we have access, How? How do we have access? By faith into this grace. All right? We have access through Jesus, who is the door, by faith, which is the key that opens the door into this grace. All right? In which we stand and hope and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Wow, that's beautiful. So what that teaches us is that we, Scripture teaches us that we walk by faith, but it says that we stand in grace. We walk by faith, we stand in grace. So we, faith is our pace and grace is our place. Amen. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. I want to read this verse of scripture. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. You see how, see what it's, how they're so closely connected. It's by faith that it might be according to grace because you cannot have grace without faith. Period. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Wow. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That is, he's the father of us all by faith. I love this. Now, I want to point something out about this scripture, that this is, this is an axiomatic truth. This works in all situations, that is. That it's grace through faith. It has to be of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. Now, that, that helps me tonight. That helps me realize that there is no reason why we should not have such an assurance as believers that we are the children of God. All right? If that's the case, if you, if you don't have assurance concerning your relationship with God, then that tells me then that there's, that there's a lack of faith in your life. Because it's faith that it might be according to grace that the promise might be sure. Are you getting this? Grace through faith is how we have assurance to anything from God. First of all, the promise for salvation, the promise of eternal life, but then all the promises of God, which he's laid out for us, that are all in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. 
So faith then is that key that opens the door, which is Jesus, and the door opens us up into grace. I lost my keys some time ago. Anybody ever lost your keys before? Man, is that just like the most miserable thing in the world? Like you feel like you lose your life, right? Because, you know, all of a sudden you can't get into your car. You can't get into your house. And I just felt so helpless. I had my, the, I, the key to my car, key to my house, key to, the, key to our church building, right? So I'm the pastor of the church and I can't even get into the church. And so all these things that I had the right to or the access to have been given to me through either privilege or responsibility or whatever. Now all of a sudden I didn't have Then it was just like I never even owned the keys. Like even though this stuff is mine, I'm just like anybody else who it doesn't belong to because I don't have the key to get in. And these keys are so important and faith is actually the master key of everything. It's a, it's a huge inconvenience not to have access to things that you own, right? Because they represent so much for you. Without them, you're just stuck. Without them, you're frustrated. And God offers you and I a place called grace. And it is freely ours. That's what grace is. It's free. It's free. Free. But if you don't have the key that is faith, then you don't have access to it, even though it's freely yours. Let's go to verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. I'm looking forward to us having a church service like that. Almost the whole city came. I'm glad Candace is with me. Thanks. All right. All right. We'll just... Get our faith out there together, Candace. Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Remember, the next, these were the Gentiles who begged that next, next week they wanted to hear the word of God too, all right? So that week has come, and now these Jews see all of these people coming, right? And they could never get anybody to come to their church services. Right? So here's Paul and them, and they're preaching this amazing good news, and man, it's drawn the crowd. This is beautiful. Now watch this. And the Jews saw them, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. So one week they're they're liking what Paul's saying, but then all of a sudden they see that this news is spreading to everybody, and all of a sudden they're like, uh-uh. Because what they felt like was their control and their power was slipping away. Their influence was fading. So then they began to oppose the very things that they were rooting for the week before. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, "It was listen to this. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Because that's the gospel. That's the order of the gospel. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right. So he said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Wow. They judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. So these Jews, they chose to reject the gospel. And the gospel shows us how worthy we are of eternal life. Years ago, my, my dad was a street preacher. He used to love going and preaching out on the streets. And they, there was this track, this gospel track, I remember he used to always carry around. And it, the, it was a real simple little track. And the, and the front cover said, what do you think you're worth? And you open it up and there was just a cartoon drawing of a hand with a nail in it. And it said, God thinks you're worth the death of his son. Isn't that powerful? And I, I always love that. Jesus paid the, pull, the full price 
and you and I got it all for free, right? But see, to, to, to these guys who had this whole religious order, that makes no sense to them, right? Because they, they, they couldn't, they wouldn't accept, it's not they couldn't, they would not accept the fact that they played no part in the equation. Their tradition told them that their worth was directly connected to their obedience to the law. Remember what the law said, and I'm going to paraphrase it, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. All right? The more you studied and the more you strived in, the, in, in this and the more zealous you were to keep the law, the high, higher your rank in holiness was. And Paul even describes his religious worth in Philippians. I want you to listen to this. Philippians chapter 3 uh, run over there for just a minute. Verse 5. Philippians 3, verse 5. This, this is what he says about his Jewishness, all right? Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Wow. Concerning the law, a Pharisee, which means the best of the best. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. All right? That is, he put his zeal into action. He was dragging men and women out of their homes and taking them to prison for believing in this way, what they call the way, that is the way of Christ, the gospel. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That's the only person I've ever seen besides Jesus to tout that they were blameless concerning the law. All right? Paul says, I was the best of the best. But what things were gained to me, check this out, these I have counted loss for Christ. I found my value, my worth in what I was doing until I had an encounter with Christ. And I realized none of that stuff meant anything. Then I really found out what I was worth. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. You think about what this man knew. He said, none of that even matters compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. That's a nice word for another word. That I may gain Christ. Self-righteousness is only gain to self. That's what he said. These are all things gained to me. In that, it only builds pride, and really what it is is just simple false humility. It rejects the love and grace of God, therefore saying, this is what Paul was telling the Jews, this is what they were doing. They were rejecting the love and the grace of God, therefore what they were really saying is, I'm not worth the price you paid for me. Woo! They deemed themselves unworthy of everlasting life. Verse 47, for so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. So he's telling the Jews, since you deem yourselves, you judge yourselves unworthy, behold, we go to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, and he quotes Isaiah here, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation. How far? To the ends of the earth. Now remember, Jesus also gave his disciples that commission, remember? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But remember what I said before, in their minds, they only, they only saw the Jewish world. When he said all the world, all they thought was the Jewish world. They were not seeing the Gentiles in this deal. And we saw clearly in Acts chapter 10 that it was completely revolutionary for Peter to even go to Cornelius' house. And he had an argument with the Lord about that whole deal, right? 
God said, don't call common what I've cleansed. Peter said, I've never even eaten anything. What are you talking about? And so he ends up going there by the Spirit of God telling him to go to Cornelius' house. So this, it was, and, and he stood there in that house said, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. So, I mean, everything has changed now. Now he realizes what Jesus meant by all the world. But Paul sees it here. He has the same commission from God. You should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. So now when the Gentiles heard this, check this out, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Yeah, I'm glad. Aren't you glad that he got this commission to go into all the world? Because you and I are here tonight as recipients of this great grace that has come to us. Amen? Now they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, I want to just slow down for just a moment. And I want to make some things clear concerning that very phrase in the Scripture. All right? And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, some believe that that is saying that God predestined a certain amount of people, certain people to be appointed to eternal life by His own, and some are not. All right? Now, this has got all kinds of problems with it, this thought. All right? And if you look at this Scripture on the surface, it kind of looks like that's what it's saying. All right, but we're going to slow down because it's my job to teach you the Word of God to rightly divide the Word of truth. All right, are you ready for this? Yeah. Are you guys hungry tonight or what? All right, okay, just making sure. I'm, I, want to, I want to back up to verse 46 for just a moment coming back into this. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the Word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy. So check this out. If this is about God appointing some to be saved and some not to be saved, then Paul should have said right here, but since it's obvious you're not destined, predestined by God, since you're not appointed for this, we've got to go to the Gentiles because it's not God's will that you get saved. But that's not what he said. He said, since you reject it. All right? In other words, you chose not to have this even though it is God's desire that you have it, because the gospel is supposed to come to you first. All right? Are you getting this? So they had the choice to reject it. All right? Okay. So the hearing of the gospel, I want to say this to you for just a moment. Here's what the appointment is about, those that are appointed to eternal life. The hearing of the gospel is the appointment to eternal life. Let me say that again. I said the hearing of the gospel is the appointment to eternal life. Don't forget, it's the gospel that saves men. Remember, we've talked about this over and over again. Peter, uh, the angel told Cornelius, this man Peter's going to come and you're gonna, he's going to tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. That's, that's Acts 11, verse 14. He's going to tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. So this gospel has this amazing message in it, and the moment you hear it, there's your appointment for eternal life. Now, whether you believe it, whether you choose it, that's, that's your deal. But the, every time we hear it, that's our appointment. Are you getting this? Okay, so now, but remember back in verse 42, we looked at that. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that those words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Hey, who set up the appointment? They did. They're the ones that set up the appointment the week before. Said next week, we're going to be here and we're going to hear this message. We're, we're ready for this eternal life. Remember what, Je- what even Peter said to Jesus uh, in John chapter 6 when a lot of the, Jesus was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And a lot of them were like, what the heck is he talking about? So a lot of disciples left him at that point. They didn't get what he was saying. And, and in verse 66, John 6, 6, 6, 
Dun, dun, dun. All right, anyway, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And that's not even a very encouraging verse, is it? <laughs> it's not one I'd, I'd say to set to memory, all right? All right, verse, verse 67, then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Listen, you have the words of eternal life. All right, so the gospel is the words of eternal life. And what did they want to do? They wanted to hear the word the next week. All right, so they set the appointment. All right, this is, this is no, nothing more than just him, him, him uh, writing out or recording what was happening. He was not making some kind of doctrinal statement here that God chooses some and rejects others. Why in the world else would it say right before that, I set you as a light to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth, salvation to the ends of the earth, unless I haven't appointed them. That doesn't make any sense. All right? Is this helping you? Okay. It's really good preaching. All right, verse 49. And the word of the Lord was, <laughs> was being spread throughout all the region. There it is. So they're, they're, they're following what God commissioned them to do. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. And isn't this something? Isn't this something that, that we see this over and over? This, this is a continual story in the book of Acts and, and the church in its attempt to grow. Along with that comes great persecution. Why? Because just as much as, just as sure as Jesus is building his church, the devil's doing his dead level best to tear it down. All right? Don't think that he's not going to fight you tooth and nail when you advance in the things of God. He is going to. I was, I was having lunch with Don Hexamer today, and he was telling me he had a, he had a, an, an, a his business opportunity coming up, and he met with this man who owns this business in New Orleans, and he said, I come to find out the man's a Christian. And he said, the man told me, he said, it was the most interesting thing. He said, he said I, I had a, a real miraculous moment, uh, experience w- with the Lord, and he told me his testimony. It's just amazing how this man came to Christ. And he said, and when I came to Christ, he goes, everything got difficult, he goes, I mean, my life was good. I had a good prominent business going on. He said, all of a sudden, my marriage got strained. My kids started acting up. The money started drying up. And he said, I'm thinking, what did I get into here? Right? Because the moment you put your faith in Christ and the moment you begin to believe him, everything that, that now you were at one time just in the flow of this world, you were under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. And all of a sudden, when you began to, when you were translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of light, now everything, you're going against the total flow that you were in. All right? So now you've got all these obstacles coming at you. The things that once never bothered you, now they have become your trouble. All right? So that, I mean, anytime I had, you know, I, I just encourage people all the time. I mean, that's part of my job too, to encourage people in the things of God when they're having adversity. But something I I say over and over is welcome to the war. Welcome to it. This This is part of it. We're here to fight a fight. All right. This isn't about us, just everything going right for us, because that's just not the case. That's just not the case. Now, here's the, here's the truth. The beautiful thing is you always have the victory through Jesus. He'll always lead you in triumph. And if you walk by faith, you'll overcome everything. The scripture says, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Those are surety. But if you don't fight, you don't win. All right, you're going to have to put your dukes up and go to swinging. All right, and what I mean by that is that is get the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God, and there's nothing that the devil can do against the Word of God. It's the most powerful force in the earth. That two-edged sword, remember what that two-edged means? It means twice spoken. Two-edged, that is God says it, that's one edge. You say it in agreement, that's the other edge. And it becomes the most powerful thing in the world. It's amazing, all right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay, all right. Uh, so, this, like I said, this is the story of, of the church. Persecution, the church begins to expand. Or, or miracles happen, something happens, the gospel gets preached, and then persecution comes. But look what happens. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's always a result of, of e- either this kind of thing, they're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Well, why do they have, what reason do they have to be joyful? What, why? When they just came under persecution, they had to basically shake the dust off their feet saying, see you later. They left that town. They'd been rejected. They'd been expelled from it. And here they are full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And when you see this kind of thing happen, then later on after you read about some uh, persecution or some trouble that came, and then it says, and the church grew and the word of God multiplied. Because those things seem to go hand in hand. The church works best under pressure. It, because it's a fight. It's a fight, but it's a fixed fight. That's why it's called the good fight of faith. As I've said before, I've had fights. I don't like remembering the ones that I lost. I don't think those are good fights. The good fights are the ones I won. The Scripture says it's the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fixed fight. That's, a, that's the cool thing about it. Jesus has already secured the victory. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Did he do that? Did he do it? So we're here to just enforce that victory. All right? So if you'll continue to stand on the Word, then you'll win. If you'll continue to walk by faith, then you're going to win. You're going to overcome. That's, a, that's the guarantee we have. Because when faith meets that grace, hallelujah, there ain't nothing that can stop it. And they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, because for one thing, Paul got a kick out of being persecuted for the gospel's sake. Right? He got a kick out of that. He thought, wow, what an amazing thing that God, I would be counted worthy to have these chains, to be imprisoned, to come under this kind of stuff for preaching the gospel of Christ. There is no greater cause for adversity in our lives. Hallelujah. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How in the world is that possible? How is that possible? Well, with God. That's how it's possible. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you tonight that the adversity that you're facing here is not your friend. The trouble that you're facing as well is not God's sovereign plan for you to learn some cosmic lesson. All right? It's not predestined for you. This trouble is coming, and it's coming to steal the Word of God from you. It's coming to actually not bring you closer to God. It's coming to take the Word away from you, which means to take, take you away from the things of God. All right? Trouble's not your friend. Trouble is something that you need to face off and overcome. All right? It's not something that you need to embrace. Remember, you got to remember whose side you're on. And you have to remember that you have an enemy also who wants you out. He wants you down for the count. He wants you destroyed. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his threefold purpose. 
But you got to remember, Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. So let's just put some common sense on this kind of stuff, right? And say, okay, is this stealing from me? Is this trying to kill me? Is this bringing destruction in my life? Well, then that's not from God. Okay. Is this producing life, an abundant life? Then that's from Jesus. All right. There's your gauge for truth right there. All right. God is on your side. He's on your side. And he wants you to pray the kind of prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because what's going on on earth isn't all necessarily God's will. But where God's will is uninhibited, where there is no lack, where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no sin, where there is no breaking up, where there is no brokenness, where there is none of that, we must pull that will down to here on the earth. All right? That's why we're here, to live days of heaven in the days of earth. Amen? So don't embrace that garbage that tries to tell you, well, it's all, we don't understand the ways of God. It's all, he's all working it out. Right? Can you please help me? Give me some practical steps to take here. I don't understand all that talk. Right? I don't want to know that everything's just too mysterious to understand. I think God wants me to know more than that. Why did I have this book? Why did God become a man if he just wants to remain so mysterious and so far out there and ethereal that it's just hard for us to grasp anything about him? And we're just some pawns in this predestination chess game. We're way more than that. As he is, so are we in this world. Amen. And if God be for us, it really don't matter who's against us, does it? It really doesn't matter. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. All right? I'm not saying you have to understand everything, but you do need to understand who's on your side. All right? We don't understand everything, but God has given us enough proof through the scriptures that we know that we can trust him. And we know that he's for us. And we know that he's working things out that are not good for good for us. All right? We know that that can be the end of every situation we find ourselves in. So that you can walk in assurance. So that you can pray in assurance. And you can know how to pray. Know what to pray. When to pray. Which is all the time. Pray without ceasing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together tonight. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your great grace to us tonight. Why don't we just offer up right now just a sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to him. That's what God loves tonight. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice with his life, and now we offer up a praise of thanksgiving to him. Thank you, Lord. Just thank Him. Thank Him for, for what's going on in your life even right now. Thank Him even through the rough experiences. Thank Him that He is on your side. Thank Him that He is the high priest of the good things to come. You know that as long as He's there, He's ensuring good things are coming to you. And you can expect it. You can know it. You are, you're on a path, the path of the righteous. And the Scripture says the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter to the full day. I want you to thank Him for the favor that is on your life that you haven't even experienced yet, but tomorrow you're going to walk into it. You're going to walk into it the next day. There, there, you're going to find favor with 
man as well as that you already have favor with God. You can expect that that favor, you must see it like a shield that goes about you, that wherever you go, the shield of favor already showed up before you ever even got there and started working on your behalf, started working for you so that when you step into that situation, it's yours. All right, it's to your advantage. This is what God's plan is for you. You can expect to be healed. You can expect that tomorrow you're going to feel better and the next day you're going to be stronger and things are going to line up with the will and the word of God. You can expect that when you declare his word, then you receive his promise. You expect that the word of God will materialize in your life. It's not just some kind of mantra that you quote. It's just not some some uh, 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 ritual that you do. This is something that you live. The Word of God is for us to be ex- to experience, to know it, to, to really live this thing. That's why Jesus paid such an amazing price for us to live in these promises, not for us to just have them in a little leather-bound book on a shelf somewhere. That's my promise book. Huh? But to take them out of those pages and into our lives. All right? And that takes, and that has very much to do with what was, is coming out of our mouths. All right, because your life is following your tongue. If you don't like where you are, talk yourself out of it. Amen. Amen. Speak the word of God. Declare his promise. Declare his word. It is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. All right? Believe the word. Declare the word. Faith comes by hearing, and faith is released by speaking. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for that. Thank you that you give us richly all things to enjoy. Bless your people. I thank you, God, for your marvelous work, the work of the Holy Spirit in every life and every situation here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.